You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to another episode of Locked On NFL. My name is Chris Clark. I am coming over from the Locked On Chiefs podcast today, and I have with me Christopher Carter from the Locked On Steelers podcast. What's up, everybody? Glad to be on with you, Mr. Clark. (laughs) Mr. Carter, great to be on with you as well. Uh, I do want to say thank you all for listening. This has been a very fun week to do a crossovers with all the different hosts. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please check out the shows if you get the opportunity. We do put a lot of time and effort into all of the individual shows. Uh, with that, Mr. Carter, I think we have a lot to talk about today. And uh, I'm actually glad we had Friday because there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Who is there, man? I mean, it's 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 crazy because everyone's reporting to camp about now. Everything's starting to come to the to come to the front, and now this finally gives us stuff to talk about. We're not theorizing about a lot of these contract situations anymore. Which is what we've been doing for months, isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. Is this is football season, man? It's twenty four seven, three sixty five. But there is the dead zone where we're just sitting around, just waiting for something to happen. Waiting for something to happen and trying to find something to talk about. No, I, Ryan and I absolutely know what you're talking about on that one, so uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's get to national news right now. There are a couple of players that have not reported to training camp. It sounds like Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Ngakwe from Jacksonville didn't report to training camp as well. Uh, I know there's a couple other holdouts, but those are big names. Yeah, they're absolutely big. And, and Ezekiel Elliott, ha- you know, being chief among them, uh, you you look at what's been going on, how Dallas has been, you know, has always been the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. And, you know, you've seen the national talk shows where Skip Bayless has tried to say, well, Dak Prescott is also really important. But everybody knows Ezekiel Elliott is what makes the Cowboys go right now. And he's making a power move. You know, this is before his rookie contract is up. He's trying to he's trying to do something that not to people have ever have ever done. Um, and th- this is a big statement on his part, not getting on the plane to California for them to go to their camp. Uh, that, that, that is a big deal, a big move. And it's interesting because it seems like there's a lot more big names this year that are all holding out at, at this point, uh, as, as a person who's covered the Steelers for, for some time, it's, uh, it's interesting seeing that happen with everyone else now. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a, a big difference and a big change. Uh, you've seen usually most people are reporting to camp on time at this point. Uh, and we will talk about the rookies here in a little bit. But when you start talking about Ezekiel Elliott missing and Gawkway missing, and the one person that I didn't mention, and I purposely didn't mention him because I want to go into this a little bit further, Michael Thomas isn't reporting either. And the reason that's such a big deal to me is because I've seen what he's wanting for a contract. It sounds like the saints are willing to give him 19 million a year or more than Odell Beckham is getting. And he's still not willing to sign because he wants to break the 20 million barrier. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money. And if there's one wide receiver in the NFL right now, uh, well, there's probably several, but he's one of the, he is one of the top, in my mind, top three wide receivers in the NFL, probably he can definitely break the bank, and it sounds like he's wanting to in New Orleans. I mean, he's he, he, he's going for it right now, um, you know, and, and that's the thing. It seems like, especially with with what with Antonio Brown, when he, when he said, "I want to be paid the most," and, and he he wanted a new contract on top of the super contract the Steelers already got him. He went out and he he got a contract from the Raiders that was even more, and then Odell Beckham's contract with the with the, with the Browns topped that. And, and it seems like it's it's a race to the top as far as who's the highest paid receiver. Um, 
you know, and, and, and Michael Thomas, he's not in my top three. He's in my top like top five, but you can argue he's he. You can argue any way that he's he's part of that group. There's no question that he's he's in that elite echelon. And uh, it, it, it's it seems like you know everyone's kind of looking around at each other and seeing how far can they push this market upwards. Uh, and, and it continues to rise. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract, he's averaging about $18 million a year. Antonio Brown's averaging about $16.7 million a year. And you got Mike Evans and, I mean, Adam Thielen's making, making big, big, big time money. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's getting kind of crazy, but it's uh, you know you you've been covering the Tyreek Hill situation and what you know what could happen there. Um, there. There's a lot to consider, and it seems like every year this is going to be a topic about if, whenever a star player's contract is even close to coming to an end. Yeah, and I, you bring up Tyreek Hill, and that's another fascinating situation to me. And I know I cover the Chiefs, and Ryan and I have talked about it extensively on Locked On Chiefs. I'm not exactly sure how that situation is going to play out. Because you have Kansas City in a situation where it sounds like they want to extend him, but he is so close to being in a situation where if he messes up once, it's a huge loss. And I'm not, and I understand the off the field stuff is another issue, and I really don't want to di- dive into that too much because that's out of the, it's kind of out of the team's control, it's entirely control. But the real thing there is, is he going to be suspended in the future? based on any of the events that have already happened in the past four years for him. And if he is, that means it's going to be a lengthy suspension and any future incidents could lead to them wanting to cut him. So it makes them be in a situation where if you're talking about making Tyree kill one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL, which it sounds like was going to happen before all this stuff came out in back in March and April, you're talking $20 million a year. And when you're talking structure, for Kansas City, they usually give them a large signing bonus so they can prorate that signing bonus over the life of the contract, or, or at least over the first five years. I don't know that you're going to be able to do that with Hill. Yeah, that, that can be that can be very tricky, and especially when you look at you know Sammy Watkins. He only has a deal going into 2020, and he doesn't have any guaranteed money going into into, into next year. But you know, still his cap number for this season is about 19.2. That goes up to 21 now. Granted, that's either they're getting rid of him or they're finding a way to split that money up somehow. But still, that you know that, that's top heavy in, in investing in wide receivers. And you know, I know you got you got Patrick Mahomes. You got to invest around him and build around him. But you know, like you said, the question is, can Tyreek Hill stay out of trouble? And that's out of their control. But it's a gamble that they have to decide. Do you fold your hand on this guy because you're too scared about what might happen? You know, the, the Steelers tried to be very patient with Martavis Bryant and it never came to fruition. They never paid him, but you know, it was, it was part of what they, they had to wait and see, you know, was this guy going to work out? And the chiefs are in the same situation with Tyreek Hill because he's phenomenal. He's, you know, he's one of the best receivers in the league. He's extreme. He's extremely dangerous. And his connection with Mahomes was insane in just their first year together. You want that to flourish and you want to, you want to, it's so exciting to gamble on that. But the realism of not just investing the money that you have to invest into it, but also investing the risk that he has shown that he has. So, uh, you know, and also the Chiefs, they do have some cap space to work with. They're not like the Steelers that are that are cap strapped and other teams that have kind of spent spent their uh, their money's worth. But still, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a big risk. And 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 again, when you look at the situation of Michael Thomas and other people that are coming up soon, um, you know, what is going to be the asking price of receivers moving forward and how is this going to impact team structure across the board? 
No, absolutely. And you start talking about Michael Thomas getting to $20 million a year. Uh, you would think that Tyreek Hill is going to be a $20 million a year. Uh, you would think that, um, oh, there's another wide receiver that I just had on the tip of my tongue that I can't think of. Uh, Julio Jones, uh, yeah. what's he going to get? Uh, and that's not even the wide receiver, the other wide receiver I was thinking of that's going to be due a contract pretty soon. You have all these guys that are getting ready to go onto their second contract, and they're in a really weird situation, mainly because you don't know what is going to happen with the salary cap in 2021. You know what's going to be this year, and you may have an idea what's going to be next year, but with the labor agreement expiring soon, who knows what it's going to be? And when you start doing these contracts, you kind of want to have an idea as to what it's going to be. You know it's not going to go down, but it could go up, and it could go up significantly. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Carter. Uh, I just was going to say we need to take a quick break. Uh, We got some more stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about the draft picks that have signed and also a little little bit of Steelers news uh, that did make national news on Thursday. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back. So there was a little bit of Steeler news, and I kind of teased this before the break. Uh, we do have Mr. Carter here from Locked On Steelers, so we will be talking about this a little bit. Uh, Mike Tomlin signed a one-year extension, which is uh, good for the Steelers to keep the continuity there, but they're also working on a deal with a corner that they like. Yeah, so big discussion all offseason here in Pittsburgh, Clark, was was you know whether to extend Mike Tomlin. I don't know if it's uh, known to the national media, but uh, in Pittsburgh there is, there is a strict – uh, do you like Mike Tomlin and do you not Mike Tom- like Mike Tomlin camp? And uh, there are some people who seem to think, especially in the media, that he shouldn't have gotten an extension. He should they, he should be on the hot seat right now because they missed the playoffs and he hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2008, 2009. And, you know, a lot of people look at that and they say they say, well, that that push that that push should push him out of town. But people acknowledge he has the second highest winning percentage of active coaches. You know, he, he's won a Super Bowl. He's been to two. He's he's built he's he's built a lot of things into this team and and kept them relevant. He has the longest uh, streak of non losing seasons to start a, a, a head coach's career in NFL history. You know, things like that. That's t- that's, that's stuff that you don't look and the Steelers, they believe in, in investing in their coaches. But, you know, still, this is a one year extension with an option on the end of it. And uh, what's been what's what's been reported by Jerry Dulac uh, here in Pittsburgh was that uh, that year extension on his pre- was also on his previous contract. But this time uh, in the in the previous contract, it was incentive based. It was based on how many wins he got in his career. There is no incentive base on this option right now. Um, Dale Lolly, our beat writer on DK report, you know, was taught wrote actually right before that this, this extension was made that part of Tomlin's decision may be his family because his oldest son just went to college in Maryland and his youngest son's about is, is, is a senior in high school. So maybe part of his decision to stick around in Pittsburgh will be around his family. That, you know, that, that, that's something that to, left to be seen. I, I think it's more so about what's going to be left in Pittsburgh in three years. You know, does Ben Roethlisberger retire? Do they find a backup quarterback? How is the defense looking? And that'll lead to that decision. But speaking of the defense, Clark, the big story that everyone's been waiting on is can they re-sign Joe Hayden? He is a huge piece of their defense, uh, really boosted their pass defense the past couple years, had the huge interception on Tom Brady towards the end of the season. Um, and uh, that, that's that been a question because the Steelers are really cap-strapped right now. They were looking really strong until they signed Ben Roethlisberger to his extension. And next year, Ben Roethlisberger is going to take about $33.5 million in cap space. Now they only have going into next year right now about nine million dollars in cap space and and Joe Hayden's cap number is higher than that right now. So 
the question was, how are they going to make the space to keep Joe Hayden around when they also still have to sign, you know, maybe slot corner Mike Hilton, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, and a few other guys, and they still got to consider T.J. Watt and Juju Smith-Schuster in the years after that. Uh, but what one thing I think is sure, they recognize the talent and the leadership that Hayden brings. They know they have a young corner, a rookie corner in Justin Lane that they want him, that they, they want uh, to have role models around. And I think the Steelers are going to make the move. So it's, it is big news in Steelers camp that they're trying to trying to lock him up for at least a few more years and make sure that he's around for this uh, this next few years of a playoff push. Well, and Joe Hayden is a player that it sounded like Kansas City should have maybe pursued when that all went down. So, you know, that's a move that I would expect them to want to get done. Joe Hayden's a good player. Uh and honestly, the Steelers have really struggled at corner for years. Oh, yeah. So trying to get them some uh, continuity and some confidence and, and ability at corner is a huge deal for them. Uh, and it should be should really help them in the AFC. The question is, obviously, you know, how long is Roethlisberger going to play? Nobody knows that right now. It sounds like he wants to play for a couple more years. Maybe Tomlin can coach the entire time that he's still here. But they do need to start looking at a backup QB. Um, mm-hmm. but we do need to kind of move on a little bit. I, that's really a lot of information on the Steelers and, and you're looking at Joe Hayden, who I think, I don't know what type of contract he's going to get, but the Kansas city is also going to be watching that because I think they're going to have a corner in Kendall Fuller that they need to sign yes. uh, in the coming years, uh, or in the coming year. So that's something that they will be watching for sure. But one of the other things that we didn't talk about yet, and this is something that has really been very fun for me to watch is ever since the new CBA, you never had to worry about rookies showing up to training camp on time. Mm-hmm. Happened again this year. Yeah, uh, Bosa, Nick Bosa, and uh, Williams, Quinn and Williams, signed their contracts. They are both going to be reporting to camp. So, again, all draft picks under contract at training camp on time. That's and that and that's that's big because right now there the CBA is up for grabs right now. There's lots of talks about is there going to be a lockout you know, in, in, in the coming seasons when the CBA is up, um, you know, and, and rook, rookies reporting, I mean, Roquan Smith was the guy last year that everyone was looking at, like, when is he going to show up and, and how big of a deal that was because he was such a, he was such an important player for the bears. Um, but I mean, players, I think, especially now, even the veterans that are, that are holding out that we were talking about earlier in this show, like Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott and Gawkway, uh, Trent Williams, you know, there's, there's all sorts of guys that are not showing up and players are starting to, I guess, not re- I guess realize their worth, but also act on real on how they're realizing their worth, and that they have more power in these negotiations than what players have thought in the past. Um, you know, rookies used to show up, and that was it. And, and I mean, and Clark, you, you know this as well as I do. The players' union is it, it has been extremely weak in negotiations since you know since we've 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 known football. You know, they, they when they tried to lock out before the hold, you know, they tried to you know pick at the the league and and it, it didn't work. They you know the 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 biggest stars of the league eventually conceded and then the the whole thing fell apart. You know, the NFL knows they don't have the players union does not have a lot of leverage. So um and that's a huge problem. Yeah. And and I what I was gonna say is Ryan and I actually talked about this on the podcast when we were talking about extending Mahomes and Hill. Mm-hmm on the Locked On Chiefs podcast, but this is a much bigger issue because you're right. The NFLPA has shown they don't have players willing to miss paychecks. Exactly. And that is a major problem when you're talking about labor negotiations. I'm not saying I want football to be not here. That's not what I'm saying at all. But that is the only thing that the NFLPA really has that they can use and try to get better uh, terms in the negotiations. And 
there's no way they can do it. I mean, one thing that we talked about earlier on Locked on Chiefs earlier this week, it was just reported that Adrian Peterson is broke. He's made yeah. $100 million in his career. Yep. I yeah. When you have situations like that, I mean, and I'm not trying to judge people in their finances. That's not at all what I'm trying to do here. But you sit here and you look at these guys that make millions and millions of dollars and have nothing left after their career's over. Adrian Peterson is going to be there. He's one, been one of the best running backs of all time and made more money than 90% of the people that will ever play in the NFL. And still he's broke. And then you're trying to tell me that the NFLPA, and I know you, you haven't said this, but the NFLPA has to get 500 players to agree to not be able to play and not get a game check. That's not going to happen. No. I mean, yeah, too many guys. And, and and it's funny because you think about the big guys, the, the guys like Adrian Peterson that make the, 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 those, the that kind of money. But when you look at the, the little guys, the guys like, a, like a Eli Rogers for the, for the Steelers, you know, you know, how are you going to ask guys that are barely making any money and know that they have a, a very small window to even make the money that they do right now in the league? You know, how do you, how do you go to them and say, Hey, you know, we need you to go on strike. And it's like, look, I'm a I'm a fourth or fifth year veteran that people don't like too much, and I need to to make this eight hundred thousand dollar check this year because you know if I spe- step out a year and you know more rookies are brought into the league, I might not have a job, and, and that's a realistic problem for an individual to have. And you got to say, do I want to fight for this for this thing that's going to protect all these other players down the, down the line, or am I going to make sure that my family is going to be insured because, you know, I, I hit the lottery and I'm in the NFL and I'm living, a, I'm living the dream. Um, so it, it's, it's a tough question to ask of everyone, but the NFLPA is just not organized enough to have a pool of money to protect those players and to make sure that they have that security so they could feel, you know what, we'll step out on that ledge and we'll fight for this. But it's just, it hasn't been that. And I don't think it ever will be that the NFL is just, they have a, they have a chokehold on this entire negotiation process. I mean, everyone was talking just a few weeks ago, Clark, about how the, um, uh, how the NFL is, is, is suggesting an 18 game season that in my mind has always been their sort of their big their big bluff you know going all in on a poker table saying you know what you know oh you guys want more guaranteed money in contracts well guess what we want an 18 game season and that backs the NFLPA off of everything they're asking for and they'll ask for much less because they don't want an 18 game season because they, they they're they're scared of that being too dangerous for their team and their players don't want that so you know the NFLPA the NFLPA they don't have a lot of cards and this is their one thing and like you and I are talking about right here it's just that's that's a lot to ask of these individuals to make that risk. Well, and the bigger thing that you start looking at is there is no way that they're going to be able to get the money that would need to be set aside for all 500 players or however many players right. there are in the NFL right. uh, to be able to live off of in order for them to be able to do this. And that's it is a sad situation because you would think with people making all this money, they should be able to get that set aside. The NFL PA should do it. Problem is, is you have 500 people voting against or voting in this situation where you, as an owner's group, you have five or six that are really controlling the, the mm-hmm. whole contract negotiations and all the other owners are believing what they say. And there may be one or two that step out of line, but you have a much more unified front in the ownership than you're ever going to have in the NFLPA. And that's what makes this contract negotiation so hard. I agree entirely. So, 
All right, so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of players that need to take a step forward this season and a couple of coaches that may be on the hot seat in the near future. All right, Mr. Carter, NFL season is finally here. I cannot believe that we are sitting here in training camp. And I know it hasn't started for the Chiefs yet. Officially, uh, veterans start reporting, I believe, tomorrow on yeah, on Saturday. So excited for that. Uh, a couple of big news items that will be there. You know, Hill's going to show up for the first time. Will Chris Jones show up? I don't think he does. Uh, but looking forward to that. What are you most looking forward to in the NFL, though, now that football season is pretty much officially here? I'm always interested in uh, in how young players adjust to their challenges. Um, last year, we saw we all saw the surge of young quarterbacks in the league. You know, Patrick Mahomes being chief among them, winning it. You know, he just 50 touchdowns. It's being ballistic as he was. You know, can he repeat? I, can I ask you? I have to ask you a quick question. I'm sorry. Go ahead. How much did you enjoy watching him against the Steelers this year? I was amazed. And in fact, I wrote an, an article on DKPittsburghSports.com in like that week saying he averaged less than three seconds with the ball in his hand per snap. I literally went through every passing play that they called, that she's called, and he had the ball out of his hands before three seconds was up. And I was just like, he knew everything that was going. Now, granted, the Steelers were way off, off that day because Joe Hayden was gone and Keith Butler had had things in a big mess at the time, but still to process an NFL defense that quickly, find the weaknesses and just act on them that consistently. It, it, I was sitting in the Hinesfield press box, being like, "Oh my goodness, this this kid, this kid's for real." And a lot of people in Pittsburgh, I told, I was saying like, "Patrick Mahomes is better than you want to give him credit for." And a lot of people were like, "Ah, whatever. He's he's just he's just he's a young guy. He's gonna and he proved a lot of people wrong that day and, and throughout the season." Um, but. You know, then you also have young quarterbacks that people are excited about, like Baker Mayfield, who came to Heinz Field and got slaughtered. Um, and, and uh, you know, Mayfield's a different kind of player than Mahomes. Um, you know, and, and I mean, like I talked to Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt after that game. They said our strategy was to stand in his way so he can't see. And he just couldn't he couldn't read the field. Um, but uh, when, when you look at the situations, does Mahomes with everything that's going on with the Chiefs, with with Tyree Kill, with Watkins, with me with the, with the new with the, with me being the new rookie, you look around and you know can can he repeat that kind of success? Fifty touchdowns, even if he doesn't get that, if he has you know 40, 35, and just is is, is even more efficient and cuts down on interceptions, you know that's going to go a long way. You know, but defenses are going to adjust to him just like they adjusted to Carson Wentz, just like they they adjusted to Jared Goff, just like they adjusted to Deshaun Watson. And that's going to be an interesting challenge. The same thing goes for Baker Mayfield. A lot of people think, you know, across the national media that uh, Baker Mayfield is going to light it up. And and because he had really good numbers and the Browns were seven and nine or whatever. But if you look at his record against winning teams, he was one in six. And, you know, when, when the game when the when the games were on the line, he, he sometimes really struggled. It's going to be interesting to see how NFL defenses adjust to his style of play. That, to me, is the most interesting thing, how these young quarterbacks are adjusting to the league as it adjusts to them. It's fascinating. And you, I'm glad you brought up Baker Mayfield. He's a fascinating player. And to me, especially and I love Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm fan. I'm very happy he's here. Wouldn't trade him for any QB in the NFL, and I guess I do mean that. Um, but what why I will say, you, why would you trade him for any quarterback? In the I'm NFL? just, I'm just making sure that's clear. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't trade him for Aaron Rodgers. I'll just be clear on that one or Tom Brady. But what well, I will say, boom, boom. <laughs> huh? 
I said that was a shot. I heard, I heard, I heard you right there, my man. That's fine. Uh, that's <laughs> fine. No, what I will say though is, you look at Baker Mayfield, and you're right. He did not do well against winning teams. And the interesting thing about the Cleveland Brown situation to me is, he has so much. And I don't know that pressure is really the right word because I don't think that the team themselves are putting pressure on him, but outside pressure for sure is going to be on Baker Mayfield to perform with everybody that Cleveland has put around him. That's going to be a very, very big frying pan for him. Is he going to be able to sink or swim? I think he has the character and I think he'll be fine, but that's a big question. Obviously, you know, Cleveland tried it a couple of years ago with Johnny Manziel. It's a whole different ball game, but you know, you sit here in this situation and you're looking at Baker Mayfield. Can he be the guy in Cleveland? I think he can. Is he going to be able to take that step this year? I mean, down around him, you would think he could. You think you know? that he can, but it's all. Don't forget, these are the Browns. They find That's a way. To, they they find a way to be dysfunctional. And I know that sounds so cliche and so like, oh man, you just don't. Re-. No, when you study this team, that the the decisions that they make, even when they have things going their way. I mean, literally, there was a game where Ben Roethlisberger was the backup quarterback because they wanted to protect him, and then he came in and beat them one time, and it was just like, like you know even in a game where he wasn't going to play, they found a way to hurt the, the starting quarterback and put him, put Ben Roethlisberger to game and he slaughtered them. You know, it just thing. It's been time after time. And I have lots of friends who are, who are Cleveland fans and they often, they just like, I don't understand why it just, it just nothing ever adds up. And people are thinking because they got the talent that automatically it will. I just, I do think that they will be competitive. I'm, but I'm, I'm just warning everybody be cautious with how things could happen because all it takes is a few bad switches and a team that is not well put together to overcome those type of issues. It can start falling apart. Think Eagles dream team for those who don't remember Vince Young calling them that. Yeah, absolutely. And the bigger issue for me, honestly, when it comes to the Browns is they have all this talent and they have all the talent in the world. And I think they're going to be fantastic. They have fantastic wide receivers. Their Mm -hmm. QB is going to be very good. Uh, my biggest question mark right now is Freddie Kitchens is a question mark. I mean, you just don't know. Absolutely. You, know, you can be a great coordinator and be a lousy head coach. And he is going to have, if you think about all the personalities in an NFL locker room, now you have Odell Beckham Jr. added to that mix. And I like Odell Beckham Jr., but he is a very combustible type player. Yeah, <laughs> so no, that is if not it's a lot. If it's not going well in Cleveland, it's not going to be pretty. So you got to hope it goes well in Cleveland. You know, another young QB that I'm that I will always tie to Mahomes as well is going to be Deshaun Watson. What's he going to be able to do in Houston? Uh, you know, there's a lot of young players in the NFL this year uh, that are going to be stepping into year two. How are they going to adjust? How do the young players adjust to year three? Because one thing that we've always discussed on, at least on our show, and I'm sure you discuss this as well, you usually see the biggest jump from year one to year two and year two to year three. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be your biggest jumps. So you're talking about the draft class from two years ago and the draft class from three years ago. So you're talking about Patrick Mahomes draft class. You're talking about Baker Mayfield's draft class, all of those guys. So big question marks for those guys. How are they going to perform this year? Because their teams all need them to step up. Absolutely. And, and like you said, they need them to step up because they're building around these guys. You know, it's and in the first couple of years, you're thinking, OK, you got time to grow. And it sounds unfair to a young quarterback, but it's like, hey, we, we need to see more out of you. Um, Deshaun Watson was red hot his rookie year and then got taken out with an ACL injury. Then he came back last year and he wasn't as, as on fire as he was because, again, teams started to adjust to him. 
But, you know, you're looking like, OK, now you've had a year. You got to hope that Will Fuller can stay healthy for the for the, for the Texans. Um, but, you know, him, Carson Wentz, I think, is in that mix, too, with how unfortunate he's been with his injuries. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of players around the league that people are looking at. They're like, OK, it, you know, it, it may be a little early for, for you to ask this of, of this guy, but you got to ask it because, you know, there's a lot riding on some of the negotiations that they're going through. You know, the Texans, they're, they're still trying to figure out what's going to happen with the Jadavian Clowney. There's talk. There's talks of ramping up about, you know, him and the Eagles maybe doing something. Uh, but, you know, you, you don't want to lose, a, a, a you know, a core player like that. And and have to rebuild more when you already have this quarterback in place, especially when you're an organization like the Texans that's been waiting since your existence began to get a quarterback like that. Yeah, and you finally have him, and the hope is that he can stay healthy. Uh, yep. I'm not trying to question his health. I, I think he he should be fine. You know, an ACL is an ACL. It's not mean he's injury prone, but uh, he does need to take a step forward this year as opposed to what he did last year. I didn't think he was as good last year as he was the year before, as you said. But again, that goes back to talking about teams getting to a point where they know who the player is and they can find ways to stop them. And you saw that happen to Mahomes a little bit last year in, in certain games, especially against the um, against the uh, New England Patriots. Yep. You know, the and you bring up Carson Wentz. That's another interesting case because he's sitting here in a scenario where now he doesn't have a backup that can really step in and be a Super Bowl type winning quarterback. And and I'm not saying I expected Nick Foles to go out and win a Super Bowl like he did. But Carson Wentz has got a lot of pressure on him this year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, you look at the Eagles again; they're they're a team. They have a core. They have a core around him. You know, they got Fletcher Cox. They got Alshon Jeffrey. They went and drafted Miles Sanders to boost that up. You know, they, you know, they got Nelson Aguilar, who they think is going to improve their offensive line. Is still intact. They but they have to make this move soon. They have to make another push for another Super Bowl soon because some of these guys are are, are going to fall out of their prime in the next couple of years. And they're going to need to start rebuilding. And if you're still a good team that's not winning Super Bowls, uh, you're going to fall into the pole. If you're in the back back end of the draft, you're not going to be able to get to get those same stars that help build this roster. So uh, that there is pressure on these guys, and and especially because, like you said, they let go of Nick Foles, um, and Nick Foles going to, to the Jaguars. You know, just just so everyone, so I'm clear. I think Nick Foles is a great job in a spot situation, but he's a guy that when you adjust to him, he doesn't have many counters to adjustments. And that's why he hasn't worked as a full season quarterback yet. But when you have, when you give him maybe six or seven games in a row to play, he's, he's good because he can stick to a plan and he can be efficient and work that plan. Uh, but when, when you're a talent like Carson Wentz, you have the arm, you have the mobility and, and you combine other skills with that so that, you can't an offensive coordinator just say, "Hey, we're going to take this away, and that's going to make him less effective." You have to have different ways to be boy. And Carson Wentz does, but he has to keep putting it together. He has to keep building chemistry with his team, and he has to stay healthy. Uh, and like you said, you, you don't want to, you know, you know, get down on a player for that. But you can't make the club from the tub. And uh, it, it, yeah, it's you can't help if you're in the tub. Absolutely. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that, and you know. It's funny because we kind of went full circle on this argu- on this talk, but you start talking about Carson Wentz, and then you start talking thinking about uh, Doug Peterson, and if the Eagles can't stay above, you know, and making it to the playoffs, is he going to be on the hot seat in a couple of years like Mike Tomlin is right now? How crazy is that? Because Mike Tomlin's won a Super Bowl recently, so is so has Peterson, and I'm not saying Peterson should be on the on the chopping block at all. I'm just saying the NFL is built to where if you it's a what have you done for me lately league? And you're not going to get more than two seasons 
without making the playoffs unless you have catastrophic injuries to continue to coach. So that is going to be what you're going to need to be watching. Uh, like I said, my name is Chris Clark. I am from Locked On. I'm a host of Locked On Chiefs. Please go check us out. Uh, let us know what you think. You can find us at Locked On Chiefs on Twitter. And Mr. Carter is on Locked On Steelers. I'll let you go ahead and take that. Yes, sir. My name is Christopher Carter. I'm the uh, I'm the co-host with Tony Serino of Locked On Steelers. You can find us at lo at lo Steelers on Twitter. You can find me at Carter Critiques on Twitter. I'm also the lead NFL analyst for DKPittsburghSports.com, where you can check us out at any point in time. But thanks, hey Clark. It's been great working with you, my man. This has been this is a fun show. It's been a lot of fun, Mr. Carter. I really appreciate it. And uh, you guys will have Matt Williamson back on Monday. We've really enjoyed this show. I uh, hope you did it as well. And Enjoy the NFL season because it's finally here.